Hi, welcome to Get In, the connected vehicle podcast from BlackBerry. I'm your host, Steve Kovsky, and in this series, we'll be diving into the future of transportation to find out what it just might look like. Today, I'm joined by somebody who's helping define the future of transportation, and I'm going to let him introduce himself. My name is Sterling Pratt. I'm the founder and CEO of CarIQ. We've developed a payment network for cars that allows cars to pay for services autonomously. From a background perspective, um, you might laugh, I'm kind of a two-time entrepreneur. So I had a, a company prior to this that invented telematics platforms for the car manufacturers. Um, we were also most known for creating Wi-Fi in the car. So if you saw TV commercials for either Wi-Fi in the car or using your phone to start your car, that was that was my company. And then, um, and then beside that, I was also a professional race car driver. So I spent a lot of time um, inside the car, if you will, and feel very fortunate that in the post-racing career, I can still stay involved with automotive. And then a uh, little, little known tidbit is uh, part of my um, retirement out of automotive was, was being very fortunate to be on the board of the United States Auto Club. So very involved with racing at a very high level now. Um, we oversee... I don't know, got almost a thousand races um, across the country in a season. Um, so, so still keep my hand in it a little bit. Actually, one of the, the places we'd like to start is how has transportation technology impacted your life? And, uh, and, and what are some of the changes that you see between now and then? But let's, let's go back for a minute to, uh, to when you first got behind a wheel uh, versus today. Well, I was a little kid. You know, I, I still can't believe my parents let me, uh, you know, at the age of 16 years old, go from driving a go-kart to driving uh, USAC midget and sprint cars that, that go from 70 miles an hour all the way up to like 160 miles an hour. So, um, but it was a great experience because that enabled me to not only learn about technology, but it, learned, it, it enabled me to really learn about how I wanted to, or what I wanted to be in the future. I really enjoyed cars. Um, I shared that passion with my grandfather and my my parents, and um, and to be honest, I was very lucky as a kid. My dream was to race cars, and I was very fortunate to to get to live my dream. You know, uh, some of the cars that are being produced today uh, have been described as computers with wheels. They're they're um, much different than those cars. Uh, just a, a few decades ago. And um, do you still have that? Do you still feel the passion for these these new EVs uh, that are coming out on the market that seem seem a little bit more disconnected from the road? You know, as a, as a driver, I always look to technology as an advantage, you know, so you're always looking for what's the newest technology? How are people doing it? How are they thinking about the car? And that always fascinated me. Um, and then as I switch gears into today's world, I obviously still like cars that are powered by either methanol or, or gasoline. But um, but I also now really appreciate the EV environment. You know, they just bring a different attitude, though. You know, the cars don't make noise. Um, they have tremendous acceleration right off the get go. But the difference I find with EV is EV is really ushered in the technology era by the nature of the fact that it's electric. Um, and you're plugging it in something to charge, they're also connected to the internet right away. And that internet connectivity is really bringing in new services right into the car. And I think that's good for all types of cars and all types of manufacturers. It does seem like we're at a, an inflection point where we've got 5G now uh, becoming widespread. So we've got, we've got um, high-speed connectivity uh, at the same time 
cars are able to make use of that in new ways. We're going to talk about some of those those new ways. Do you think uh, that people are going to continue uh, to look to driving their cars as a, as something that gives them pleasure, as something that that is a highlight in their lives? You know, that's an interesting question. Um, when I was back in Italy this last week racing, that's actually the conversation that was at table at the table afterwards. Um, some of the people at the table were former senior executives in Formula One and, and big auto manufacturers. And what we were talking about was, do we still have a car culture? And what kind of car culture have we evolved into? And I think where it used to be really based on horsepower and speed and things like that, it's there is a car culture, but it's evolved. And the car culture now is about the services in and around the car. That's what really excites people about their vehicle. And I think where that's gone or where it's going rather is it's allowing people to extend their lives into another realm. So you can take all your content with you. You can have that home environment or the things that you like with you wherever you go. And I think that's good for the car industry. I really do. In order to be able to do that, we're still we're still looking at some building blocks that have to go into place to create a foundation for that and one of them is financial and um let, let's talk a little bit about what car iq does and why this is fundamental to having that that kind of a, a platform and that kind of an experience uh, in as we get behind the wheel. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So when I started really looking at the car, um, you know, in this in this new era, if you will, of my sort of 2.0 thinking, I really started looking at the vehicle as to, you know, how do you make how do you make um, adding services easier to the vehicle? And then how do you enable that vehicle to communicate with other systems? And that that became sort of the first thing I started looking at. And what I realized in that process was Cars are already looking around for things to pay. Every single day they pay for fuel, tolling, parking, insurance, uh, DMV, smog, um, and what we've learned recently, a lot of tickets. So, so what we figured out was, you know, and the premise for Car IQ was not only are cars looking for things to pay for every day, but these things add up to a massive market. You know, there's there's more than 400 million or 400 billion dollars spent on fuel, parking, tolling and all that every year and all of it's using a credit card, right? It takes some sort of external service. You either take out a credit card, input it in your dash, you input it in a phone app, you install a black box up into the top of your car so you can use it for toll roads. And all of these things what I found about them were were difficult, right? It required the consumer or the, the owner of the vehicle to have to manage multiple systems just to maintain or manage that vehicle itself. And I just really thought there's got to be an easier way to do that. Let's let's talk about that easier way a little bit. Um, you know, one of the things that I really enjoy when I'm uh, traveling to another city and, um, uh, you know, sometimes depending on the city, you still need to get into a cab and you still have a, a transaction where you've got to pass a credit card back and forth or, you know, use a, use a keypad, things like that. Um, the cashless driving or riding experience is really attractive. Um, and in, in the times of pandemic, um, that uh, touchless experience 
is really valuable as well. Are you able to bring that to the vehicle for, for the drivers? Yeah, absolutely. I think in the end of the day, what we've really developed is a payment network for cars that enables cars to pay for all types of things, tolling, parking, fuel, whatever it might be. And what's important in that process is to a certain degree, we're a little bit like Stripe, right? We enable merchants now to accept payments from vehicles, which has never been done before. But we also allow vehicles to connect and pay for things. And that combination is what I believe is the game changer for automotive today. And that resulting part of that is now a car owner or a fleet owner doesn't have to manage multiple credit cards, multiple boxes inside the vehicle. They don't have to worry about which driver has a card, which one doesn't. Um, And they also don't have to worry about fraud. So one of the aspects of when a car can communicate directly with a merchant, say a Shell gas station or Exxon or whoever it might be, is that the car now can communicate directly with that service and identify itself. And there's an element of eliminating fraud inside of that. Fraud is huge. It's become just part of the landscape. And um, I remember very clearly a couple of years back, I was... um, I was at a meeting at the FBI office. I wasn't being interrogated. It was a it was like a community meeting, but in San Diego. And um, they mentioned, don't use the uh, don't go to the gas station across the street and use your credit card because there's a you know it's it's known that that there is a um, uh, you know the criminals are skimming uh, card numbers from that gas station. And, and it's so brazen. I thought this, this is right across the street from the FBI. Isn't there something they can do about it? But that's a huge area for fraud. And, uh, and just one of the, the things that you'd be protected from. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that was sort of the, how the company started. So believe it or not, um, we got our opportunity through Citibank. And when I had the idea, I was already starting to build an early working product. And so uh, a good friend of ours connected us to some senior executives at Citibank. And I'll never forget, I came in to meet the CIO Citibank, uh, Vanessa Colella, and I started telling her about what we were doing, how we were going to make it more secure, and how we were going to create a new identity that the vehicle itself would own and would use to communicate with merchants and banks. And she said, that's fascinating. She said, there's already hundreds of millions of IoT machines out there um, asking for service. Um, and so when I heard that, it sort of, I sort of was taken back by it. And I'll never forget, I asked her the question, well, how many of them are connected to the bank and paying for that service? And she said, zero, because we don't trust them. Not a bank in the world trusts a machine to transact without some intermediary form of payment, like a credit card, to sit in the middle. And that was the light bulb that I really needed. You know, that was the motivation and the thought process I really needed to to move forward. And what we learned was fraud's really important step in this, that you have to be able to mitigate or eliminate fraud in a transaction if you're going to get a customer to adopt a new way to pay. And so our next stage of that was not only did we realize we were on the right track on identity verification and how to enable a machine to communicate with a bank. But what we really started to do was rethink what a transaction looks like. And what we realized, if there's no human in the process, that you're relying on a machine to bank or machine to merchant communication, that you had to really figure out how to automate that system and make it secure so there couldn't be any fraud. And the first thing we figured out was that in a typical transaction today, there's a process called KYC, know your customer. 
And it's a human-based identity verification process that every single one of us have gone through. Every time you go somewhere and buy something, it knows who Steve is. It knows prior purchasing of Steve, has roughly right, is this the area Steve should be in? And then it allows you to transact. But when a machine transacts, there was no method for that, right? Because it's not human. It's a machine. And so we invented a process called KYM, Know Your Machine, where we use the data from the machine and we create a, a behavioral curve around that data to enable that machine to communicate directly for, with a bank. But equally important, it allows the bank to trust that machine to transact. And so that became sort of the genesis and the beginning of Car IQ. Let's, let's kind of look into the future. Where do you see this in 5, 10, 15 years in, in a world where our vehicles can, uh, can do business on our behalf? And how, how does that change the experience? Let's start with consumers. Let's start with the people behind the wheel and in the passenger seat. How does it change their experience? What, what will they be able to do? I think it simplifies the payment process. So, you know, as much as I like to say, hey, we've created some really cool technology and it's cutting edge, which it is, the end user and the application is, I think, what's most important is that we simplify payments and we make them more secure. So here's a good example. When you purchase fuel through us, we now have cars connecting that can connect directly to a fuel pump and pay for fuel without a credit card. But what's, the, what's interesting about it is it's not done through an app. It's simply the fact that we're connected to the vehicle. So we know when you enter into a gas station, we can simply push to your, either your phone or to your dash a pump ID. And all you do is put the pump number that you're at, you put fuel in the car and you drive away. And it creates this whole new experience around purchasing that you can't do with a phone or with a credit card today. You know, that's that's a good point is uh, some systems. Now, you're, you've partnered with BlackBerry as part of the IV platform, and I'm interested in hearing the reasons why, why you chose to do that. There, there are phone-based platforms. There's other platforms out there. What, what did you see as some of the advantages and in, in, uh, what led you to, uh, to seek that partnership? So the BlackBerry partnership fascinated me from day one. Um, I was actually quite excited about it from the moment, um, the moment BlackBerry reached out to me. And there are a couple of reasons why. One is BlackBerry is the operating system for a tremendous number of vehicles. They are truly an automotive supplier. And they build the operating system for these cars that controls the safer network in the vehicle. So they're connected directly to the sensors of the vehicle itself. And they manage all that architecture and all that data inside the vehicle. So the first and foremost thing that excited me was the ability to connect to to not only connect to the vehicle, but to connect directly to the sensors in the vehicle and use that sensor information to create a unique ID. And that's important because it creates for the first time in history data provenance. We literally will have 100% data provenance in a transaction because we can go from the sensor all the way to the merchant, all the way to the transaction in one fell swoop. And the number two thing that's important is the shift in liability. As soon as you know who that vehicle is, you now can shift liability away and transact, for lack of better words, a card present type transaction, which no machine can do today. And we think that's really important for building a base. So today, it's all about cars paying for things, using that data inside the vehicle to, to 
secure the identity of the vehicle and validate that vehicle has a service need. But two, I think it also is the, the base that we need to start adding financial services to the vehicle. So imagine not only can vehicles pay for things, but we now have vehicles with a wallet associated with them. And that means the vehicle can receive money and pay for things at the same time. And we think that's really the future of where automotive goes. Especially if you're a fleet manager where you have multiple drivers inside a vehicle, instead of the company paying the driver and managing the vehicle itself, they can reverse that mechanism. They can now start allowing that vehicle to receive payments. So every time it drops off a package or drops off a customer, it's receiving the money. But then at the end of the day, it can then pay out uh, what it's what it's earned or who's earned, say the driver, fuel, things like that. You know, uh, talking about fleets, it's such a it's such a huge part of our economy now um, that you know, you mentioned, you know, uh, delivery trucks. I mean, uh, you know, there there are, are more of those on the road in my neighborhood than there are neighbors these days. What are some of the ways that it really impacts fleet operations? We see the biggest impact up front with fleets. Um, we've already signed up three of the seven largest fleets in the country um, where they want to start moving from card and hand processes to vehicles making the transactions. And it's really simple. They want to eliminate friendly fraud, right? The, the fact that somebody might put gas in their own car, but use the company credit card. They want to have tighter controls on the financial element of the vehicle itself. So what are the vehicle expenditures and can they see them in real time? One of the attributes of, of a vehicle transacting is it's a natural real-time transaction. So as soon as that car pays for fuel, pays for a toll or parking, it automatically goes into a real-time ledger that the fleet operator can track. So imagine today they spend 30 to 90 days settling and accruing all their vehicle expenditures. Um, and they really have kind of a high level view of that. Now it automatically goes into the ledger in real time and they can actually um, go through and scan it and sort it by make, model, brand, delivery type, vehicle type, you name it, they can separate it out. So it, it gives them a much more granular view of their payment history and what their expenditures really are. You know, an, another thing that you mentioned briefly is uh, citations. And, you know, for, for a consumer, boy, if I, if I get a ticket, it, you know, it's, it ruins my day. It's, it's a big deal. I try to avoid it at all costs. But um, these, these are realities uh, for, for fleet drivers. And, um, and it can add up to a significant amount of, of overhead on, on the back end, you know, uh, probably uh, adding to what is already a painful cost. Yeah, the two biggest things that fleets are telling us today are three, actually, really, the three biggest things are Hey, one, we'd like to eliminate the card in hand process, you know, because if you have a thousand drivers, that means you have a thousand credit cards, which also means some of them are getting lost or stolen or whatever it might be. So you're constantly in this flow of refreshing those cards. The second thing they want to do is simplify the payment process. So fuel payments, for instance, are really, really important to, to fleet operators. And then you have citation management. Um, something I didn't know anything about until about six months ago when a customer raised their hand and said, hey, can you help us with this problem? We've got thousands and thousands of cars that are, that are doing last mile delivery um, services in Los Angeles. And there are 12 counties in Los Angeles. And the car typically will go through 12 counties over the course of one week, but it receives one to two tickets per week on average. And so the result of that is they spend anywhere from 10 to 12 hours 
for every thousand cars to find which county the car received the ticket and to pay that ticket. So it's it becomes kind of a kind of a massive overhead for them and an expenditure for them. But in our case, what we're starting to do is they've started to figure out how to leverage our system to do real-time payment capabilities. So with our system, they automatically can see which county it received the ticket in and automatically pay that ticket. So they cut it from 10 to 12 hours down to less than 30 minutes using the system. That, that's great. And, and uh, we still get our package at the end of the day, even if they had to double park to do it. Um, you know, because of a, a, a reasonable uh, cost of operations, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. The fleets are looking at how do they manage their cost of operations? How do they get a more granular view into their expenditures around a vehicle? These are really big issues for them. You know, some of these fleets that we've signed up have anywhere from 100,000 vehicles in there underneath them to as much as 400,000 vehicles. So if you can just think about the sheer volume of credit cards, fuel expenditure, you know, time in vehicle citations. It's really a big deal to these guys. What about auto manufacturers? Um, and, uh, you know, are they looking to derive income from all of the transactions that are going on in cars? And, and how do they get in that revenue stream to add value and to and to um, you know be able to fund their activities. Yeah, the manufacturers are starting to take a big interest in in what we're doing, and I think the relationship with BlackBerry is really driving that. Um, one is to implement our system through BlackBerry. It's all software based. There's not a lot of implementation that the manufacturer has to do. And two, we're also an issuer. So it allows the auto manufacturer to essentially white label our issuance and offer their own payment services to their customers. And by doing that, they can pick up a little revenue on every transaction. And that's something that hasn't happened before for the manufacturer. They typically have branding relationships with, with a bank, um, which is a great relationship when you're extending a credit card to your customer. But in this case, the manufacturers are also rethinking what payments look like. And now they're realizing using our platform and in combination with BlackBerry that they can not only add payment services to the dash of the car, that they can start looking at adding financial services to the overall platform of the vehicle. So cars can, one, pay for things like fuel and tolling and everything we talked about. But now the manufacturer can start offering it within the services or the loan of the vehicle as well. So imagine your car could come with you know, six months worth of tolling, three months worth of fuel, um, whatever it might be as an incentive to purchase that vehicle through them. And that's what our platform now offers the capability to them to do. You know, it's interesting is we're, we're going to be talking about uh, all types of automotive and transportation advances in the course of this show. Um, I had a chance to about a week ago to ride in my first hydrogen powered car. And um, uh, one of the things that comes with it because, you know, fuel, you know, there's not that many places where you can gas up. Um, they offer you a year's worth of fuel, but the ability to offer some of, you know, services bundled with the car, whether you buy it or lease it, this is going to have an impact on consumers and on sales of vehicles. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's really bringing in a new era of, of um, rewards and loyalty. Right. Because now the car can come with services baked into it 
And that'll automatically help that customer seek out and find those partners to purchase fuel or to, to transact with. And we think this opens up a whole other area of services for the manufacturers. That's why I think the the relationship with BlackBerry and what we're doing is so important. You know, in that in that Ivy platform, uh, of course, uh, uh, Amazon Web Services is uh, a partner in this as well. And one of the goals is to build out an ecosystem that app developers can utilize, just as they do app stores today for your phone. How does how do you see that evolving? We're, we're starting to put our toe into that water today. So we see that a little bit differently with our platform where we're looking at more of merchant services and allowing um, open APIs so that people can program or connect vehicles directly to a merchant. And that's an important one in our world because today, if you look at all the in-dash services that are offered, you have to actually download an app for each one of the merchants. And so it's a little cumbersome for the customer to use. It's typically three to five steps in the process by the time you download the app, pick it, sort all the information out, add your credit card information. And what we want to do is open up our APIs so that people can connect to any merchant globally, which we can do today. And that would that process of open APIs and allowing that merchant to connect directly to our vehicles will cut that three to five step process down to one or even less because a car can come preset with that with that uh, merchant connectivity already in it. And what we're seeing is there's a whole other world opening up. Like, what other things do you want to purchase? We've already had people coming to us say, hey, I'd like to write some API so that I can offer food services to fleet drivers, right? I know they're in a gas station. Now I want to connect them to Loop so they can go inside the store and purchase food. Um, we have truck drivers or trucking agencies that want to offer um, incentives to their drivers for on-time drop-offs or way stations um, pickups where they can now get showers or beds or things like that. So we're just starting to see these types of thinking or these types of services coming to the, to the surface. There's a lot of, of uh, utility in being able to access sensor and location information. Um, and when you're in the car and you're, you're in a, uh, an area that you've, you're not that as familiar with, uh, that can be a real lifesaver, a real benefit to the consumer. Yeah, it's a benefit to the consumer and a benefit to the merchant as well, um, because creating trust between the vehicle and the merchant is is fifty percent of that. Fifty percent of that. You know, here's here's a good example how it can help the consumer. There's two really big applications. One is tolling. So the fact that the consumer doesn't have to add a toll box to their vehicle, the car automatically knows where they are, what direction they're traveling in, the speed they're going. So the customer doesn't really have to worry about the lane. But here's the cool thing. Working with BlackBerry, we can actually go one step further. Tolling wasn't the big problem to solve. It was HOV. So in this case, when you're attached to the sensors in the vehicle, you actually know how many people are in the car. So you can automatically add HOV capabilities to that vehicle. And then the consumer can drive in any lane and cross that tolling without having to worry. And the tolling agency will have peace of mind because they know that car is legitimate. So it's a huge challenge for the tolling agencies today. The, the second thing that's really important why merchants like us is fuel is a good example. When a, in our world, when a car drives in to a gas station, as I mentioned earlier, we know it's there. So we automatically can push a pump ID to it. But what happens in the background is probably equally important. We know who that car is. We know the last time it filled up. 
we know how big the gas tank is, and we know how much fuel is in the tank. So we can send that information to both the merchant and to the bank to say, hey, this car is a 10-gallon gas tank, but it only needs five gallons of gas. And it really mitigates the risk on the merchant side about how much fuel that they might be exposed to and how much they need to pump. And the benefit to the bank in working with us is that when a treasury underwriting kicks in, meaning, hey, Steve just pulled in this gas station, he wants gas, we're going to underwrite $125 in reserve and allow him to pump gas and close out the transaction. But imagine to the bank, every time Steve, a Steve pops into a gas station, they have to send $125 from their accounts into, into escrow. So it's a, imagine it's like a trillion dollars a day for some of the bigger banks. But in our case, we could send a message to him that says, hey, Steve only needs three gallons of gas. So instead of underwriting $125, you can underwrite $15. And so if you can start imagine having access to this information, everybody begins to benefit from it. Something that I find inhibits me from, uh, from you know, accessing a lot of apps is it's one more entity that you have to trust with your uh, financial information. We've put trust in our auto manufacturers. We put trust in certain vendors. Um, this is this is a way that uh, you know y- you don't have to have all of your data in yet another place, perhaps, in order to uh, take advantage of of the incredible variety of applications that are going to be available in your car. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the one of the things that stands out to me, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, was the relationship with BlackBerry allows us to create a more secure environment for payments. One of the attributes of our identity verification and our ability to communicate directly with the IV platform is our ability to use an unlimited number versus a credit card number. So if any data were to get exposed, there's actually nothing someone could use to hack an account with. It essentially eliminates things like man-in-the-middle scenarios or friendly fraud scenarios. And I believe that's really important, especially to the manufacturer, because the manufacturers are hypersensitive to the data in their vehicle. They, too, do not want their vehicle data to be accessed by, um, by the dark web, if you will. They don't want their customer information to be accessed by the dark web either. And this puts another layer of security on top of that platform but that not only blocks people from getting to it, but there's actually nothing in there that someone could use to do nefarious things with. And we think that's really important to not only consumer adoption, but it's important to OEM and auto manufacturer adoption. Now, I've never seen figures uh, that tie fraud and credit card fraud in particular directly to travel. But it seems like every time uh, I've had to stop a card and dis- deactivate a card uh, and have them send me a new one because there's unidentified, it always seems to correspond to travel. I've been in a different city. I've been outside of my normal pattern. And suddenly somebody's uh, you know charging a, a great vacation for themselves somewhere else in the world that I've never been. Yeah, that happens more, uh, more often than one would think. Um, one of the things that we see isn't so much travel, um, but we've been very aware of fuel fraud. That's the the number one thing that we're seeing. Uh, fuel is the first major service that we're offering because cars can go into a gas station and simply connect directly to the pump and pay. And what we've seen is the current providers of fuel cards, which there are three majors, um, they're very vocal that about three to seven percent of the time um, fraud is is exists. So imagine if you're 
you know, generating 90 to 100 billion in revenue and three to 7% of that is fraudulent. That's sort of gives you an idea of the scale of that market or that condition. Okay. Well, you've mentioned several things that um, that I think are going to be really transformational for for uh, traveling in your vehicle. And um, and uh, one of the things that, that blew my mind is the idea that that uh, you could be you could have the the equivalent uh, um, privilege of driving in an HOV lane in any lane. I think that's I, that that just uh, that alone is worth another show. But um, what, in your opinion, Sterling, as we kind of close on this and everything that we've talked about, why should why should automakers be excited about this, and why should consumers? be really excited about this? I think for two, that's a great question, by the way. I think for two reasons. I think the manufacturers should be excited about it because um, it's designed for OEMs. So it's designed to be embedded in the car. So it's an OEM grade financial platform for vehicles um, that allows them to generate revenue on every transaction. I think it's pretty clear. um, Manufacturers are moving away from just simply being a car manufacturer or master assembler, if you will, and they want to become services companies. And the golden rule around services is you have to find a way to collect on the payments. And this enables that. I think the value to the consumer is simplification. I mean, right now, the services that are offered through the Dash require a lot of steps for a consumer, and they have to download an app for each merchant. In our case, it totally simplifies that process. They just simply drive into the merchant connects directly to them and it transacts without them having to pull out an app, use their phone, pull out a credit card or any cumbersome service at all. Well, that's the end of our episode for today. But if you'd like to get more information on the topics or our guests, check out blackberry.com slash podcast. Get in the connected vehicle podcast from Blackberry is available wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes.